This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Mitch LaFawn. Welcome to another episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Joining me this week from the band The Alarm, it is Mike Peters. They have a new album out coming June 28th called Sigma. Normally, normally, I don't play music, but they gave me permission to play their debut single, or the first single from the album. It is called Blood Red Viral Black, and it features Billy Duffy of The Cult. So there you go. But before that, before we get to Mike Peters, before we get to the song... I have on the phone, co-hosting this week, the one, the only, never duplicated, Ryan <laughs> Roxy of Alice Cooper's band. Good day. Bonjour, Monsieur Ryan. What is happening, Mitch LaFon? Always a pleasure to talk to you. Yes, absolutely. And you're not here just to co-host or just to talk about Mike Peters, but you're here to make an announcement. We are going to, together, have a new show called Rock Talk. With Mitch LaFon presents In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Right. The show In the Trenches, which will be a standalone show. So it'll be here on all my platforms, but it won't include me. Uh, will be Ryan doing what exactly? Well, you're sort of taking the role of Oz. You're the yes. man behind the curtain on this one, right? You're making dreams happen. And I will be exactly what the title says, In the Trenches. I've spent most of my music career, musical career uh, playing it, bashing it out in the clubs, you know, working my way up as, as much as I could. Got to play with a guy like Alice Cooper, being attached with him for so many years. It's been a great run. And I want to talk to other people that have had similar sort of things happen with them in their careers. So maybe they're not a household name just yet, but they've been working consistently as a musician, making what it is they wanted to do for all these years a reality. And, and that's interesting because a lot of fans don't realize that once you're off the road, sometimes you have to go do other projects. Like, for example, the other day I was in um, I was on Broadway with Jim Valance at the Pretty Woman thing. And we went down to where the drum room was. And I said, oh, who's the drummer on this? And he goes, oh, it's Cindy Lauper's touring drummer. And it's like, what? So, right. And that's really what it's about. When you're not on the road, you're doing these other things. You, you look at Joel Hoekstra, who's in Whitesnake. When he's not doing that, he's in Cher. When he's not doing that, he's doing Rock of Ages. When he's not doing that, he. And that's sort of what it is to be a working you, musician. You know what I call that, Mitch? I call that surviving. Right. And like and making your, you know, basically. Imagining your reality in, a, in one way or another. So, you know, making your dreams, which you've always wanted to do, become realities and, and maintain and stay realities. So I kind of equate it to the old great white shark theory. You know, for us, for us old school rock and rollers, I think we've got to keep moving. We've got to keep swimming. We've got to keep working. And although we are very happy when those big tours come up, like this summer's tour with Alice Cooper and Hailstorm, that's going to be a blast. We also have to maintain that work ethic and we got to maintain just that paycheck all throughout the year. And that's what we're doing with a bunch of my solo touring. And that's, like I said, part of this podcast is going to be finding out what goes on in the head of all these working musicians. So I'm excited, really excited to actually talk to all these guys about that stuff, guys and girls. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that too. So tell me something, when you're off the road, have you ever had a period of six months, nine months where you just don't pick up the guitar and 
if so, does do you sort of lose some chops and got to got to sort of retrain <laughs> to get back into it? I think every musician when they're in an interview style always says, "Oh no, I never step away from this. I'm practicing all the time. I'm practicing when I sleep." But there, I'll be honest with you, there are times, there are some weeks that I go by when I'm doing other stuff. I get caught up in something. Maybe it's still music related, but I'm not playing my instrument as much as I feel I should be. So I do have to remind myself, like, hey, at the end of the day, you're a guitarist, so you keep your chops chops up, you keep your motor skills up. And that's what I'm finding doing a lot of these interviews and talks with these men and women that, you know, they are dedicated to their instruments and dedicated also to their craft, but also dedicated to their careers. Yeah, they really are. So, so quickly tell me about some of the guests that you have already approached and already interviewed and then how are we rolling this out so this is something that is going to start in july right yes yes i I want to try and coincide the release of in the trenches with ryan roxy right around the time that alice and alice cooper and hailstorm start their tour so look for it around that time Um, check out the tour dates and then we'll get a weekly schedule going we'll play it by ear for the first couple releases but you know, already I've been stockpiling these interviews with some very special people. And um, I just had a great talk last week with Phil X of the Bon Jovi Band and um, also Charlie Starr of uh, Blackberry Smoke. So these are like some hardcore names and, and heavy hitters that are coming to the table and really sharing some cool stories, some uh, really good advice. And I think we're able to relate to each other in such a way because we've been on a lot of the same stages. And and we've been, I guess, for lack of a better word, we've both, we've all been in the trenches for so many years. And and I also know you've done Steve Brown, who, of course, is uh, doing stuff with uh, sometimes Def Leppard, but he also has a band called Tokyo Motor Fist, which features Chuck Berge from Billy Joel's band. And, and it's just, and that again goes to show. And that will lead into another interview that I'm, I'm supposed to uh, set up with Chuck. With Chuck. Yeah. yeah. And like I said, Steve, Steve Brown, we've known each other for years and we were finally able to do something in a interview type of style. But I mean, we, it was a long form podcast uh, format and I'm glad we had that long form because he had so much, good information, especially for up-and-coming guitar players and up-and-coming up and musicians that um, are doing their best to make it in this world right now. Yeah, and he, he really sort of exemplifies what In the Trenches is all about because he really, he steps in for Dennis DeYoung, he steps in for Def Leppard, he does the Trickster thing, he does Eric Martin's band, he does Tokyo Motor. Like, he really is a working man's working man in terms of musicians. And, and it's just, it goes to show people think, well, Chuck is in... Billy Joel's band, he's got nothing else to do. No, he still goes out and he does. But, it, but it's all anchored in the fact, and you'll see this when you, if you watch the interview, if you listen to it, that's fine too. But it's all anchored in, this, in the fact that we recorded it from his studio that came, his recording studio that he's, he's done, recorded all his albums since the early days. And it all came from trickster money. So no, no matter what's happened, you know, up up until right now, it's all based on the fact that he was smart with his money, with his first successful, really successful band, which was Trickster. And he's just been able to uh, keep it building and keep it rolling. Yeah. Good stuff. 
Yeah, that's great stuff. And uh, should we get over to uh, Mike Peters and the Alarm? Are, are you an Alarm fan, by the way? Absolutely. Uh, Tony Visconti, the producer yeah. of the Electric Angels album, which was my very first album I ever made. The album that he had produced right before we went into the studio with Electric Angels was The Alarm. So there you go. Oh, wow. And of course, uh, Electric Angels, one of the greatest debut albums. Uh, folks, if you haven't checked it out, you've got to check it out. But uh, just real quick. Uh, when you say, when you say, hey, say to Mike Peters, please, uh, please tell him uh, Love, Hope and Strength. Yes, Those absolutely. Right, you know and that. of course that—that's his charity, as you know. Uh, he has had uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. He's had leukemia. His wife had breast cancer. They have gone through incredible struggles, and uh, you will hear all about that during the interview. But before we get to the interview, for the first time on Rock Talk with Mitch Lafon, we are going to play a song. It is "Blood Red Viral Black." It is the new Alarm single. The album drops on June twenty-eighth. So. Enjoy the song. is a rock song folks absolutely terrific and keep in mind keep in mind as you listen to the podcast that it go it does go through a podcast filter before it goes up so if you really really want to enjoy the the song the way it's supposed to 
head over to uh, YouTube or Spotify and find the single there and get the full sort of dynamic range. But you get the idea. Now, uh, I will get over to Mike Peters in a second, but I want to say this about Mike. We had been set up on a conference call to do the interview, and we got in about five or six minutes in, and the line dropped, and then Mike phoned back, and we started again, and the line dropped, and I finally said to him, hey, listen, just give me the number where you're at. I will phone you directly. And So we did that. I phoned him directly, and we redid the entire interview from the beginning. So it turned out absolutely fantastic. But what I'm going to do here is at the end of the show, when we say goodbye, I am going to tack on the original interview on the conference call that uh, lasted, I think it was six minutes or seven minutes, but anyway. But you will notice, by the way, that when I phoned him direct, we had a nice clear line and everything was gorgeous. And when we did it on the conference call, it just, ugh, ugh. That's, that's the only way I can describe it. But, but listen, today you're, you're getting all kinds of bonuses. You're getting Ryan Roxy of Alice Cooper's band announcing a new show. You are getting music on the podcast, which I normally do not do, mostly because of rights management and all that stuff. So, but we had permission. You are getting uh, one full entire terrific Mike Peters interview, and then you're getting a bonus six or seven minutes of another Mike Peters interview that was supposed to be the interview, but because the conference line that we were put on was awful and cut out on us not once but twice and rather than throw up our arms and go Argh! we just said hey let's just anyway uh let's skip to that let's get over to mike peter's new album sigma on june 28th buy it once buy it twice make everybody happy here is the one the only Mike Peters. Yeah, great to be on the show with you. Uh, yeah, we're really uh, looking forward to uh, a new adventure with the Sigma album coming out on June the 28th. And uh, we put a lot of uh, blood, sweat and tears into it. And we can't wait to share it with all our fans. It'll be spectacular. And uh, just uh, it's a good thing that it comes out on that day because on uh, June 28th, it'll be my uh, 17th anniversary with my wife. But uh, talk to me about... Uh, <laughs> Congratulations. About, yeah, thank you. Uh, you know, last year you put out the album equals this year you have uh sigma it, it 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 harkens back to the old days of sabbath and kiss and all those bands that every six months to a year had a new album um talk to me about sort of having albums out you know back to back uh, one year after the other yeah originally uh the the material that 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 both equals and sigma draw from was created from uh, a period of time where there was a lot of alarm historical anniversaries arrived and I knew that uh, everyone would want to look back at those records and, and, and we remade a version of Declaration as a modern record in, in 2014 and when the, it was the strength anniversary in 2015 we re remade that record as well and took those songs and, and put them in modern context and, and it, 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 sort of, it allowed me to sort of sort of check back into some of the original influences of the alarm, but then take them forward. And that started to uh, create a situation where a lot of new material was written. And uh, I had a massive pool of songs 
And and originally I was thinking that that uh, I'd make a double album that was going to be called Blood Red Viral Black, and that's how it was first conceived. But uh, uh, from talking with fans and we're talking with people that I knew and respected who have an eye on what I'm trying to do and achieve as an artist, I just felt that probably the times for double albums aren't, aren't quite in, in this in this time frame. So uh, I decided to just press on and, uh, and we released the first set of songs as equals. But with, we knew we were going to come. Oh, I got, we got cut off, have we? No, we're still here. But the, well, the, I think there must be the 10 trying to get hold of us as well. So my phone's ringing from all sides here. <laughs> yeah, now, now folks, uh, for folks who are listening, uh, we, we tried the interview before and we got cut off. So this is sort of a, a redo, right? And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes in life you get a redo. Uh, most times you don't. But, uh, but let's. Yeah, well, uh, it's good to have a redo sometimes because that, that's, that's what really where this creative path to these records start by remaking our original history. And uh, and the, and then all the material just felt like it, it was it was better served coming out in in two stages. Uh, an album called Equals last year, and then a year to the day we'd have Sigma. But the the two albums are related. The Equals kicks off with a big banging tune called Two Rivers, which finishes a lot of the alarm gigs these days. It's a real big anthem with our fans. And but the the Sigma album that comes out on June the twenty eighth closes with a a very different version of that song with a different lyric. Uh, that sort of addresses its opposite feel, if you like. It's about where the two rivers meet, where the, the opposites come together in life and, and create an allegiance. And uh, and so I want to show both sides of the, the the tale and how things flow into each other and become good. And uh, so it, when you get to the end of Sigma, you're really back at the beginning of Equals and, and vice versa. So they're very much linked and we're, we're really looking forward to playing all the songs live on the tour this summer. Yeah, I can't wait. And of course, uh, the album includes Billy Duffy from The Cult. And uh, my interview just yesterday was was Billy Duffy from The Cult. And he was talking about you in loving terms, uh, for the lack of a better word. Uh, talk to me about having, yeah, he, he, he loves you. And we'll, we'll, we'll quickly talk about the, the Color Sound project as well. But yeah, uh, talk to me about having him on the, 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 the Blood Red Viral track, Blood Viral blood red viral black track that is that is one hell of a tongue twister right there. <laughs> it is. uh but so, what are, yeah well billy came you know we've been friends since since the mid 90s and that uh, we met uh, when both the alarm and the cult were in periods of transition in hiatus really and uh, uh and were dormant at that time and uh, we struck up a great friendship and i think we both gained a lot of clarity on our positions in our bands through talking to each other as as friends and opposites, but we were connected because we went and we ha- we didn't have an agenda with each other. I wasn't in his band and he wasn't in mine. And, and I think we got a perspectives on our, on. I think Ian Asprey was became a little bit clearer to Billy through talking to me. And in the same way, the alarm guys became a little bit. I became more tolerant of some of their excesses through talking to Billy because I realised how they approached how a guitarist would approach being in a band. And uh, so is it, we became really deep friends through that. And we, we love walking in the mountains together. In fact, we'll be hanging out in about a week's time doing the same thing, I'm sure. And, uh, and our friendship has continued. And uh, we, we, we started a band called Color Sound, like you mentioned. And, um, and it was a real fire in that group. There was something really exciting going on. We had a big buzz in the industry. And 
and we, we played a big show in London that was absolutely sold out. You couldn't get in. Uh, and Ian Asprey was at the gig, Ian from the Cult and Eddie McDonald from the Alarm were there. And almost the next day, the phones were ringing. Let's put the Cult together and let's go and play at Woodstock. And, and then Eddie was on the phone with me and, and the Alarm went off and toured with Big Country in 1999. And, and, and through Colour Sound, we, we both ended up in the bands that, that are, is uh, part of our destiny on, in life. So uh, a lot of good things happened. And, but we, I think we both, feel that there was unfinished business with Colour Sound, that we, that we had a, the potential to form a really incredible band that was the sum of the cult and the alarm and maybe something else that, that was there was a certain chemistry about a relationship that you can hear on the track Blood Red Viral Black on our Sigma album Billy, it was Christmas time, Billy came to the studio to hang out and next minute he's got a guitar and he's ripping through the, the, the music in, in only the way that Billy can and and we've got a strong bond, you know, James Stevenson, our, our guitarist in the alarm, has played in the cult on and off for many years. And, uh, and in fact, that's sort of how we, I got to know James is through Billy Duffy when I needed a, a new guitarist for the alarm. Uh, I met James through Billy. So we're, we're so deeply uh, entrenched in each other's lives and, and culture that uh, it's hard to see the join sometimes. Yeah, and, and Billy sort of felt that he left you a little high and dry when the cult came calling for him. Did, did you get a sense that that he sort of just ran off and rejoined the cult, or were you sort of no, always expecting it? I think it was just that the first call came in was to do the cult for me and after me. And, uh, and if it had been the other way around, it had been the guys in the alarm, it might be me saying, I left Billy high and dry. I think that's just how life played it out. But I, I, when I met Billy, whenever I was play, we were playing in Colour Sound and we were getting excited, I would always say to Billy, look, you're, you're going to be back in the cult very soon. That you know you you belong in the cult. That's your life. That's your trademark. That's that's who you are. You, your identity. You'll you'll never be able to erase that. No matter how good Color Sound became, we would always have to play Sea Cell Sanctuary at the end of the set, no matter what. Or, or we'd have to do Strength by the Alarm if it was, the shoe was on the other foot. So, well, I was really happy for Billy when the when the cult call was made i was disappointed that we didn't get to follow through on color sound because we made some demos that became an album but there was so much more there that it, when when we were playing live if we could have taken those songs into a studio and made a real record it could have been something else and, and we might not have had to look back at the bands we're now in again so uh who knows but that, that's the way the cards were dealt i i've always accepted that's how life plays out and it, and and i i don't have regrets in life so i'm just thrilled that billy's back where he belongs back in the cult and whenever i go and see him play he, he looks so happy and he he plays you know his playing is so suited to the cult it's it's uh it's uncanny it's been true that's true and i and i saw them live last week it, it was spectacular and who knows you know it, it's not the same environment as it was back then there there's no reason why you two can't get together and make a second one or another project because you know it's not a question of competition anymore or uh you no, know so no. you know nowadays we have the internet and you can, we can relate the scale of our ideas you know i think in in the maybe in the 80s maybe even possibly in the 90s if you did a project outside of your main band it was seen as being a solo record was seen as being oh the group splitting up or the greatest hit release was always going to be oh they've dried up there's no more new music but but now with the internet you can talk direct to your fans without going through the third party 
journalism that, that existed and dominated our world in the 80s. You've got a real straight voice to your audience and you can say, oh, I'm doing a soundtrack for a play this week. It's coming out, but it's not, gonna, it's not the next album to be judged on. This is just an interlude in, in, the, in the footpath of our career. Yeah. And uh, I think you can easily communicate those things really well now. Yeah, you really can. So uh, just let, let, let me get back to, to to the alarm. The tour starts July 17th in Nashville, Tennessee, runs all the way to uh, August 15th in Milwaukee. No Canadian dates. It's even going to run even longer than that now. It's going up to September the 8th in St. Petersburg. So we've added Ooh, a lot more dates. There you go. I, see, I wasn't yeah, sent those amazing. ones. Oh, I, a lot of, uh, lot, of, lot of dynamic things happening as a result of this tour so we just keep adding things and making life up as we go along ah i wasn't uh, the uh, tour dates i have in front of me didn't have that but i i do see that uh yeah there is boston and stuff but still no still no canada so we'll we'll have to do something about that but more important we will most definitely because we had a, we came to canada on the equal tour and we we played up in vancouver and we also played in toronto and what and we had an amazing Amazing show in Toronto. It was absolutely fantastic. And, you know, the Alarm have always had a good relationship with Canada. We came in 1987 and, and in the winter and did a lot of dates uh, right through Canada. Um, and we've had a, a special relationship with Canadian people who've come over the border to see us or travel to Wales to come to our gatherings. And uh, we, we always look forward to seeing them. And, uh, and Canada is a special place and we can't wait to get back there. Yeah, I can't wait to have you here now, but uh, I was going to say also, uh, there's going to be a bone marrow marrow donor registration drive at the shows. Uh, Your, and what's the word, do I want to say struggles, is that the proper word? But but you've had, of course, uh, medical issues with uh, cancer, your wife has had that. Talk to me about the importance of having these bone marrow donor drives at the shows and what it means to you. Not only as a band, but as a on a personal level, given what you've had to go through. Well, doing the donor drives at concerts in, in the in the United States, obviously Canada's very well served uh, with a bone marrow registry, but less so in other parts of the world. And for me personally, to get people on the registry who can help save the lives of of uh, cancer patients like myself who have leukemia, blood cancers to give them a chance to have that transplant to stay alive for their children or, or to get that second opportunity at life. It's uh, really important to me. And uh, and to be able to turn our concerts into life-saving events through having bone marrow donation booths at the shows, uh, it just um, adds um, an extra uh, dimension to, to what we're trying to do when we're on stage and communicating with our fans and we're trying to uplift them, make them feel good to be alive. And if we can actually create a process where they can do a cheek swab, get, sign up some forms so we can follow them through life and they can get called to save someone else's life. Well, it's the ultimate uh, rock and roll ambition, isn't it? If you can play a gig and it saves somebody's life. Last night, a DJ saved my life is the, is the song. But, you know, we've done a lot of rock and roll shows where the band has helped and the fans have helped save someone's life. And that's that's the uh, the ultimate goal of all rock and roll, as far as I'm concerned. It really is. And and I would I would argue that music itself is very medicinal in the sense that a lot of people have gone through hard times and you put on that favorite track, whether it's strength or whether it's rock and roll all night or whether it's black dog. And you go, yeah, you know what? I, it, it, Absolutely. It, yeah. Um, it, it you know that it saved my my 
insanity thousands of times when you, you're being challenged by life and, and you have to walk away from something and you put the car, you get in the car and bang the stereo out and then a song comes on that you're not expecting and, and you think, and the lyrics speak to you and it, and it helps you through, it helps you find some clarity. You know, we live in a very muddy world now. There's a lot of conflicting emotions, thoughts and um, ambition being put out there and the clashing and colliding all day long on our news channels. And then sometimes you put a bit of music on, and there's, there's a lyric there that just cuts straight to the moment for you and, and, and cuts through it all and opens a, shines a little window on your life that, that allows you to see things clearly and move forward. And, and that, you know, music has always been that friend to me. So let me ask you, how do you see things clearly and move forward when in your family, your marriage, uh, there's been non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, leukemia, breast cancer. How do you focus and and are able to move forward? How do you not just sort of give up and become exceptionally depressed and just say the hell with it? <laughs> no, because uh, it, to me it's a yeah, remarkable no story. Uh, if you if you it threw is. that at me and my wife, I'd be like, okay, I'm out. I, I'm done. I, it's too much. But not only do you well, go on, you go, you create love, hope, strength. Uh, lovehopestrength.org by the way folks want to check it out it's, well, it's, it's just an instinct you know, you know I, I think we my wife Jules and myself we brought up by quite strong families very together families and uh, and we've always been uh, brought up to um, face adversity with um, see it as an opportunity really to, to rethink what you're doing you know the first alarm singer was unsafe building it was all about rebuild your life rebuild your home rethink your values rethink yourself right through and that and that's never stopped for me um we're, we're here for some sort of purpose again we sung in our first single we're here for a purpose but we'll, we'll have to search for it and 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 so so the, these things are sent to us to um you know, to help us find out who we really are, I think. And uh, so I've always had quite broad shoulders and, and can take a lot on them. Uh, just luckily, I've got, you know, really great bandmates, great fans. You know, we've, a, we've built up some incredible friendships and, and, and deep relationships with our audiences o over the years. And uh, that's allowed us to, and, and given us a reason to want to come back, you know, we've got a loyal audience who want to hear our new music they want to hear us celebrate the past as well they want us to live to make the next concert happen and uh and and i and they've helped me as much as we've helped ourselves and uh it's a communal thing and and uh you know being in hospital as much as i have been in most of my adult life i've seen some incredible and inspiring events happen that, that have um, been channeled into me keep me going and uh, and my wife happening too, and uh, we're really grateful to be alive. Which is, uh, you know, we, we we take every day that comes. Which is all all the cliches that that people have when they they have these miracle recoveries and survive incredible ordeals. And we just try to pass that on to our audience. I think we're lucky to have gone through these moments together, uh, not just um, alone. You know, there's a lot of people have to face cancer alone, and and they don't have a family around them. And that's why our charity is called Love, Hope, Strength because that. The most, uh, uh, the medicines are great, and the treatments are incredible, and the procedures are, 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 are advanced beyond our imagination now. And people have a fighting chance, but you also have to have love, hope, and strength to get through these things to come out intact as a human being on the other side. And 
And so I, I felt this is our opportunity to tell our good news story. Jules and I have got good news to tell. We've survived our ordeals. You know, I, I, my treatment is oral now. I used to be in hospital, wired up to machine every three weeks. That's why I could never tour. I had to have hardcore treatment all, all the time. And now, I'm, uh, because of advances in science, I take what was originally called an oral chemotherapy treatment. Now, somewhere along the line, this treatment has morphed into it's now an anti-cancer treatment. That's what it says on the bottle. It doesn't say oral chemotherapy anymore. It says anti-cancer treatment. And I think that's an incredible statement and, and shows that there's hope for all of us out there because cancer affects us all, whether we like it or not. But it is on the run. And that's a good news story. And, and we, that's, uh, that's the fuel that, that uh, is poured on our fire every night when the alarm takes the stage. Yeah, you're right. And cancer does affect everyone. My wife lost her father in 2013 to to prostate cancer, and it was it was devastating. They they told us like December 4th, and by Christmas it was it was he you know anyway gone, it, yeah. it, it was that fast. But but let me let me bring it back to the music and performance. You know, you're you're doing these things at the shows, but. For you as an artist, because I know as all of us get older, the neck and the knees and the back and the, the now you've had all these treatments. How do you get out there and do a seventy-five minute show and a ninety-minute show? Is it a struggle or does the adri- <laughs> yeah? No, it's not. It, look, music keeps us all going. You know, it's what what we live for, and um, you know, as long as I can play and strum and sing, I'll find a way to get on the stage. I, I'm like that guy in. Uh, Monty Python, you know, in the, in the, in, in the King Arthur, you know, they keep chopping his legs and then, and he goes, it's a mere flesh wound. <laughs> and he keeps going. And, and I'm like that guy, you know, just keep rocking away. And, uh, I do a lot of training. You know, I, I work hard to stay, to hang on to my youth. You know, I'm, 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 I'm 60 now, but I still feel like a young guy and I still, I've got a lot to contribute and a lot to, lot to give back. You know, I think we're from a generation now where there's no no real gap between us and our kids. And I get in the car and I listen to the same music my boys listen to. And they, I turn me them onto stuff and they turn me onto things. And we just keep having this great sharing um, life together. And, and I think that, that makes you feel young and keeps you young as well and keeps us all going. And, uh, you know, who, who knows where life's going to take us, but um, I'm ready for whatever's coming next. So much coming next. Now, uh, for, for for maybe American audiences, they might not be aware of what the MBE is, but it's the uh, member of the most excellent order of the British Empire. You were awarded that by uh, His Royal Highness Prince Charles. Um, talk to me about getting that, because there is a sense that when you're in rock and roll, you're sort of anti-establishment. But at the same time, when you get an award like that, it actually is kind of nice, right? Yeah, yeah. well, I think... Our award it was for all, all the people that was uh, that that uh, support love hope strength and um, it, it was it, it was you know I've met Prince Charles a couple of times and uh, he's he's a rock and roll guy I, I sang for the seventy um, fifth anniversary celebrations of the National Health Service and I was singing a song and I was a bit nervous because he was sat right in front of me and and, and when I got introduced to him after the um, show. Uh, he he was he was very intrigued by my guitars and and, and I, he, I he he'd been tapping his foot all along and he loved the song and and he was he was cool he put you at your ease but uh, you know the, I I was awarded uh, the honour because of all the 
work that the alarm fans are putting in to support Love Hope Strength and all the work we've done to help build cancer centres around the world with the help of people like Billy Duffy and uh, and other great artists out there in the world that, that support what we do from, you know, Frank Turner to 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 Kenny Chesney. You know, it's right across the board and, and we're very lucky to have get garnered all that support and uh, and the, the MBE is recognition, not just for me and Mike Peters and the Alarm and my family. It's it's for all of us who are connected to the Love Oak Strength Foundation. A great foundation. Uh, going back historically, when you decided to very publicly leave the Alarm, talk to me about what was going through your head at the time. Was it just a, a great sense of, of desperation and you didn't know where to turn next or was it about making a statement? And do you sort of look back now and say, eh, maybe I could have handled that just a little bit better? Yeah, it was, look, it was, it's definitely out of character for me to, to make that statement on the stage. But, but at the same time, you know, you, in the context of the era, whenever we released a statement, you, you were communicating to your fans through third parties. And uh, and they would always, if you said, oh, we've got a tour coming up, they'd say, you know, oh, wake up call, here's the alarm, or put something horrible about us, you know, big hair, rock band, the alarm or something. And I, I thought, you know, the alarm was a, a band that was built with the fans in mind, and they were as much a part of the group as, as I was. And I felt that uh, by speaking from the stage, it would be recorded by the cameras that were there, and people could see the emotion and the intent behind what, what had driven me to that particular point in life. And uh, I, I never saw it as really leaving the alarm. I, I thought I was going away rather than leaving. And uh, and that would have been the case if we'd been out, allowed to have the meeting we wanted to have the next morning, but that was cancelled. And uh, But life, life brings you full circle. You know, I've just spent the week recording with Dave, our original guitarist. He plays on the Sigma album, on, on the song Equals, and, uh, and we've, Nigel Twister, old drummer, came up on stage with us, and we've been supporting Eddie and his new band, Small Town Glory. So we're, we're like one big family, really. You know, we we, we 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 break up sometimes, we get back together, we celebrate. You know, we live for each other, we live through each other. We'll always once you're part of it, you'll always be a part of it, and that's that's how it is with the alarm. You might go away, but you never truly leave. And to come home, you have to go away. So uh, I'm back home where I belong in the alarm now. We're making the music for the future. Uh, we celebrate where we come from. Uh, and life's good, you know, and I, I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, we are made because of what life throws our way or what, what we do to each other. Sometimes, you know, you have to be able to inflict um, truth upon each other. Sometimes, you you, you know, love is, is, is not always about being kind. Sometimes you have to be honest with people even if they don't want to hear that honesty if you really if you truly love them that's how you have to be and i think that your actions um are, are will always you'll always be judged on your actions at the, at the end of the day and and I'm, I'm i'm not at the end of the day for the alarm but you know i, I always want when we were came out in 1983 people said we were this we were that and i thought well we're none of those things you'll find out when we've lived the life we're destined to live and, and we're living that life now. And yeah, we might be coming to the to the final chapters of the alarm story of this generation of, of people who made the music under the banner, the alarm. But uh, because of our age, but uh, so 
but I think you know we're, 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 we've we've got a great legacy that everyone who's been in the alarm could be really proud of. Every fan who's come to a concert can be really proud that this band they signed up to, bought into when they heard our records and played on the radio or saw us supporting you too or Stiff Little Fingers. We're still the same band. In, you know the the faces might have changed. The, the the sound of the group might have changed, but the ideal behind it is still intact and pushing us forward to towards tomorrow. Yeah, towards tomorrow. Um, and let me just quickly go here to the album uh, Strength. You did, of course, have the uh, the 1985-86 remaster that came out earlier this year. How important was that album, not just for the band, but also for breaking the North American market? Because I know Declaration came out before... But from my perspective in Canada, much music really sort of came on came on board when Strength came out and, and um, when those songs hit. Is that the one that sort of helped break you here, or was Canada just a little bit behind the curve? No, no, Canada was always really kind to the alarm. And uh, I think we, we just at the point of um, the... At, at that time in 85, the alarm were... We were in step with all our peers, you know, with, with in, in excess, with Simple Minds, with the Water Boys, with Big Country, with you too. You know, we, we were all striding forward and, and not far behind. None of us were that far ahead or that far behind. You know, REM were in the mix as well. And But uh, after the Strength album, when we, we came back to the UK, we, we had a difficult time as the alarm. We had a year where the band didn't want to record the songs that myself and Eddie McDonald were putting forward. It was all about trying to write group compositions or work in a completely different way that was alien to the way the group was built. And, uh, and we lost our momentum. And, and uh, when we came out with the follow-up album with either hurricane, we, we came in the wake of all those other groups, you know, you two had, had released Joshua tree and in excess and Reese kick. And, and they were, they became global entities. Uh, um, and we just we went on a label that could compete in that way. We we went on uh, the majors. We were on a small label called IRS, just like at REM were until they left to go to Warner Brothers. But at the at the time in '85, the momentum of, of our generation was at its peak, and it didn't matter what label you were on at that point in history. Your music carried you. And then certain politics kicked in. You know, the idea of MTV and much music started to become less innocent and it became more about how much money you were spending on your videos to get on the playlist. You know, when we first arrived in 83, there was hardly any videos. You know, we made the stand video. Uh, it was a one-take shot in, for a TV thing in, in L.A. and it became our video with a poppy paint spray. It cost nothing to make. And it, it got seen all over the world. It was huge. But And then come 85, 86, 87, all of a sudden MTV won't play videos unless you, you'd spent $100,000 or something on, on the budget. They only wanted big budget screens because they were worried about the look of the show and not the content of the music. It became about the video, not the song. And uh, and that, that that's why you know eighty five put us at a peak. Well, eighty five was have to sign off here. Yes, I've got another interview. Yes, so I'll just re remind folks: uh, Sigma is out June twenty eighth. Mike, an absolute pleasure, and uh, fans, stick around. I will I will play the first part of the interview before. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Bye bye. You're listening to Rock Talk with Mitch Lafon. Rock Talk. Okay, Mike. I have Mitch on the line. Okay. Thank you. 
Hi, Mike. Pleasure to speak with you. Nice to speak to you, too. How are you doing? Good, good. Um, we've got about uh, 20 to 25 minutes. We'll, we'll talk about the album, and uh, let, me just, uh, let me just get started here. On three, two, okay. one... We are speaking with uh, Mike Peters of The Alarm. The new album is Sigma. Mike, an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Well, great to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Yes, and uh, you were, in fact, a great part of the conversation I had with yesterday's guest on the show, who happens to, of course, be Billy Duffy of The Cult. We were talking about the Color Sound album and, and your friendship, so... Um, we, we will get into all of that, but let, let's talk about this new album. For for a few years, you hadn't put anything else or hadn't put anything out, and then you came up with Equals, and then you came up with uh, this one a year later. Talk to me about sort of getting back into the swing of things and getting an album done sort of in this one-year uh, space. Yeah, well, it, originally uh, I, I, it was conceived as a, from a lot of material. Um, we've been honouring certain amount of alarm historical dates uh, with 30th anniversaries of some of our major milestone records, and there just didn't seem the space for new material. And in in that time period, I masked a lot of songs and more than a double album's worth, really. And so that that was the original intention was to make a double album, and it's going to be called Blood Red Viral Black. And I did a lot of demos. And, uh, and and we recorded a lot of material, and, and I just thought that the time for a double album is probably not right now. So uh, we just decided to release the album in two capsules, what a year apart, really. But they're, they're both related to each other. The, um, the album from 2018 called Equals, and it started with a big banging song called Two Rivers, and Sigma. A year and a day later, closes with the same song, but with a different set of lyrics and a different, totally different feel. And it, it sort of marries and bookends and brings the whole project together as one. So, so talk to me about the importance of, of a band like The Alarm making new music, because Declaration had its 35th anniversary. In March, you put out that deluxe edition of Strength. You could technically just go out and tour those albums and play all the hits and all the fans would, would love you for it. What sort of inspires you to to put together a new collection of songs and sort of go through the whole process of booking studio time and writing and rewriting and getting a producer and 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 just well, it's it's really important that the the lifeblood to the band is is in its creativity. It always has been, always will be. You know, we we we're a band that even when we look back at our history, we look at it creatively. When when the the thirtieth anniversaries of of Declaration and Strength came along. We actually re-recorded the albums in, in a modern context. And I do try to view the songs as I'd written them today because they still play them. Like you say, they're still very valid songs. They have a big connection with our audience and, and with new audiences who come into contact with those songs through films like 13 Reasons Why and Narcos and, and uh, all these kind of new programs, Stranger Things that are out there that are playing considering playing the alarms music in a soundtrack so um it, it but it, but to survive and be be around to be able to play today we have to have new music that's what keeps us sane keeps us interested keeps our audience awake and uh, and i think it's it's really important and of course when we go out on the road this summer we'll be playing all the songs people know us for alongside the songs from equals and sigma 
that are relevant to, to the, the, the contracts and find themselves each night on the tour. And, and I think having new songs refreshes the old songs and then the old songs get set in a new context by standing alongside new songs as well and new content. So I think it, it all helps each other, everything to stay fresh and, and alive. It really does. In fact, you mentioned a couple of TV shows uh, there. So, so let me ask you about that. How important is a company like Netflix to a band like The Alarm? Is that sort of one of the new ways to monetize the music, considering that the music industry is not what it was in the 80s? Well, look, look say a song like The Alarm's uh, single from 1983, which is The Stand, that was the first record they ever released in the US of A. And uh, that song had been dormant for a long time. You know, it's it's uh, a long way back to 1983. And then it, it featured in, in the, the final scene, or a very powerful scene of 13 Reasons Why on Netflix. And we woke up the next morning, and there was a, a million and a half listeners tuning into the alarm on, on our Spotify page that weren't there the day before. So obviously we have to view that as being a, a, a great, uh, way of communicating because I'm still proud of the stand. I think it's still very relevant, and to to, to see it making a connection with young people through um, uh, a television series is 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 what we why we made the record and we still stand by it today. We know it can stand up in 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 the modern times. It's just that it uh, it gets defined as coming and almost time stamped by being coming from the 80s, but really it, it's still as relevant as it ever was and. And when it's set in these new contexts, as defined by these new t- types of uh, box set, binge watch television series and alarm song pops in there, it can sound really fresh. And those people who are listening, they're, they're not influenced by a journalist or, or a playlist. They, they just think, wow, what's that? Shazam, let's find out who this band is. And, and bang, it all leads them back to the alarm. They find our website if they want to go deeper. And then they find our tour dates. And all of a sudden, our original bands are rubbing shoulders with a new generation of audience that are coming in through the door so it helps everybody it, it really does and it's great because they're also not influenced by fashion or by a look or oh that's my dad's music it's it, it's it's terrific um so let me quickly talk about billy duffy because uh, during my interview with him he was exceptionally um i guess kind to you he he he, he loves you uh, talk to me about that relationship. You know, the, the cult broke up at some point in, in the 90s. He comes over and you two get this color sound project put together. And, and during my interview, he sort of had remorse that he went back to the cult and he sort of left you hanging. Do you, do you feel that way, too? <laughs> was it a project that, that was no, left? I, 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 yeah, I think, I think both Billy and I started something. We lit a fire with color sound that we never got to really fan the flames as much as they could have possibly um, burn as brightly as they possibly could. I mean, when I met Billy, I, I, I had to sort of say, look, you will always be Billy Duffy of the cult. You'll never get away from that, just as I'll always be Mike Peters of the alarm. And, and at the time, both our bands were on hiatus and uh, I'm with the punk at the time, in a way. And uh, and I think we, we, we walked in the mountains a lot. And, and I think for Billy, it was great for me for him to have a sounding board with another And that was it, folks. That's how it ended. Just bye. Anyway, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for checking out the show. Please uh, follow me on Twitter at Mitch LaFawn, Instagram at underscore Mitch LaFawn. I do have a YouTube page as well. And uh, head over to loudtracks.com forward slash Mitch 
loudtracks, T-R-A-X dot com forward slash Mitch and pick up some Mitch merch. This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Mitch LaFawn. 